What is going on, podcast people? We are back with another episode of the 1211 Podcast. I am joined by the infamous Pastor Michael Herzog in the studio. How are you today? Doing great, man. It's great to be here with you today. Yeah, man. Are you excited? I'm excited. So um, excited. It's taken a number of episodes to try to wrangle him in here, and the fishing line has been laid, and uh, Pastor Mike had uh, some things laid on his heart. So we're grateful to welcome him, not just to the 1211 Podcast, but to the second episode of the Kingdom Report. Uh, there's some stuff that the church just doesn't dive into, I think, the way the Big C Church at large, the way it needs to, um, talking about current events and things that are happening, things inside the church, the enemy's attack on us, and just there are some things that need to be ripped open, I feel like, a different way they haven't been before. And I understand that you had something pressed on your heart, so kind of take us into that. What what, what did God lay on you? Well, I, it's so important for people to understand who they are, just just with a full understanding of that, because you don't operate in the capacity or the ability that you were created to operate with if you don't understand who you are, if you don't understand what you're on this earth to do and, and whose image you were created in to do it. So when you talk about who you are, you're talking about identity. Absolutely. You know, um, right in the beginning of the book in Genesis, you know, God was creating everything. And and he did, a, obviously, a, after each day, and it was good, and it was good, all the stuff that he created. But when he when he got down to creating man, it was a little bit different. You know, he, he created the animals and the earth and the plants and the vegetation and all those things. But but Genesis one twenty six tells us, let us let us make man in our image. You know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit up there in heaven strategizing. We've made all these other things and they were good. But let us make man in our image and likeness and give them dominion over all these things that we that have been created then the word says that what they created was very good because it was made in their image and so understanding that that you and me all of us were created in God's image and likeness there's really a whole lot more inside of us and the abilities and the capabilities and the understandings and the reasonings and all the things that are the power all those things that are in there that we don't really understand if we if we don't understand that we were created in God's image and likeness. It's so good. It's it's the the identity almost unlocks all that stuff. Because if you don't recognize it, if you don't recognize there's a box sitting over there, then you have no access to get inside the box. Like all that stuff is accessed purely and firstly by knowing who you are. That's what allows you into that space of things. I was thinking about this on the way over here. You um you mentioned identity. And you mentioned it, and one of the things that popped up, you know, songs come across all the time, and you're like, oh, I'm adding that into my playlist. And I have this playlist of Christian music that runs that is just, in my opinion, really good stuff. And I, uh, a song came through the other day, a couple of months ago, that I saved in there. And it, uh, one of the choruses says, um, get out of the hole you're in. Who you are is not who you've been. And just, like, I was like, oh, it's so good. And I put it in my pocket. And you talked about identity today, and that, that verse the Holy Spirit brought back up popped in my brain like, how many people are limited in their walk, restricted? The enemy's got a hook in because their, their entire identity is tied to things they've done or who they were, not who God says they are. Like, like the, the, the identity in the word doesn't seem like it's embraced with the same vigor as your identity by what you've lived, what you've done, who you've been. Absolutely. And the reality is, is the enemy can't change who you are. You are created in God's image and likeness. There's nothing that he can do to change who you are and who you've been created to be. 
But all he can do is add information, add thoughts, add comments from other people, add all these things into your mind because Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks, so is he. So you take in these thoughts, you take in, you know, you're from from a parent that, that was abusive, from a bad relationship, from all these things we take in, you can't and you won't and you're not, and as a man thinks, so is he. So when I hear those things, when somebody hears those things, they they take on that identity, even though that's not who they are. They become that because of that information that's been taken in. So what comes into us, what we receive is so critical for our self-identity because I may be something great, but if I don't believe that I'm something great, I'm not something great in my own mind. And I'm limited by those by the thinking of my own mind. Yeah, and you're not going to walk in it either. Like if, if you don't really believe that, if that's not truly something that you engage with, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest, the fastest runner in the world, if you don't believe it because you won't run fast. You're like, what's the point? I'm not this. You know, and, and the you talk about these things that come in and important people that are in the freedom group right now, we've talked about it a couple of times. Um, when those things come in, they plant somewhere in us, in our soul. So, excuse me, those things come in your ears and they plant in your soul somewhere. So in your mind, uh, in your will, in your emotion, those things become latched in there. And so we talk about freedom, um, in freedom for your soul is, you know, somewhat growing up as a kid, you're never going to make, it, you're never gonna make it. You're not good at that. You're not good at that. You're not good at that. Well, somewhere in your mind, you agree with it because it's been hammered into you. At some point, somebody spoken something over you and, and all of us at some point, we partner with it. You know, we say that once over ourselves, well, I'm just not good at blank because somebody said you weren't, but life and death's in the power of the tongue. So now you've partnered with that, that, that statement which fights against what your true identity is in Christ. And that stuff, it roots itself down somewhere. So now in your mind, also in your will. So your will is what you strive to do, what you want to do, which in right alignment is God's will. But instead, now in your will, anything that has to do with that peace that's rooted itself, now you're abject to. You don't want to be a part of it. And your emotions, your emotions become turned because it's, just, it's, it's, it's a crazy how the things we let in our eyes, our ears, their gates, and they they all lead down, you know, and it, it festers somewhere in our souls. And we you say we partner with it, and then that identity takes over, and there's all this deep rooted stuff to dig through and pull out. So when you talk about that, you can talk about the identity we take on and God's identity. Um, it takes me into like Ephesians talking about the armor and everything's defensive except for the sword of the spirit, the word. So when people have these identity issues, identity crisis, don't believe I'm good enough, I'm this, or they heard it for years and they're just now realizing, okay, wait, that's not true. So how do they fight that? Well, it's, go back to the understanding, you, you hear this all the time, you are what you eat, right? So if you eat good food, you're, you're a healthy person. If you eat junk food, you know, that becomes the condition. Of I love that body. as I drink this Coke, it That's makes right. me feel great. <laughs> <laughs> we are what we eat, right? This, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the things that we take in um, are so important to, to developing and, and affirming that identity. You know, two is the number of agreement. So th- you can't stop um, somebody from saying something negative toward you. You know, just, just driving down the road and you cut that person off you didn't mean to, or maybe you meant to, whatever it is. You can't stop those those words from coming at you. But what happens is is you have to decide whether I'm going to agree with that or not. 
You know, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So when we have a thought, we can't stop that thought from coming. But immediately we have a decision with every thought that comes. Am I going to agree with that and then begin to uh, daydream and, and build castles and thoughts and all this stuff around that thought? Or am I going to say, no, that's not me, and, and dismiss that thought? And, and it isn't something that we can do just one time and say, you know, this covers it all. I'm never going to. It's a constant to. battle. Yeah. It's nonstop. Every day, we've got to put a, we have to put a guard over our mouth, and we have to put a guard. You know, we put on the helmet of salvation as, that, as part of that armor, and that's to take every thought captive and every thought that comes. Does this align with who God says that I am, or does it not? And if it doesn't, we have to dismiss it. If it does, own it. Grab hold of it. That's who I am, and that's, that's who I'm going to be, and I'm not going to let any thought that somebody else has or some word that somebody else has uh, create this identity in me that, that isn't who I am. And th- Just a little sidebar here. That, that's so important to the company that you keep. Oh, yeah. Bad company corrupts good morals. Right. So, Absolutely. So the people that you put around you, are they speaking life to you? Are they speaking words that are edifying you and building you up? Or just being around certain people can cause you to feel dejected and defeated. Um, I referenced this study that I've seen one time where a, a number of average people, you know, just everyday Joes, were, were put in jail for 30 days. And, and when they first got in there, you could see a distinguishable difference just in in how they behaved, how they communicated, the way they looked, their facial expressions, all these things. And after 30 days, there was no distinction between the two because you you are like the company that you keep. You know, the bir- birds of a feather flock together. And, yeah, and absolutely. when we're in an environment, we're either bringing that environment up or we're bringing it down. Um, but the people that we put around us are so important to our identity. When you're around successful people, you pick up traits and hear from them and, and learn from them and want to behave like them. And the opposite of that is true also. No, it's spot on. I, you mentioned taming the tongue. It put a guard on our tongue. And it brought to mind the scripture because we get reference freedom a lot. But as as we've gone through this, you, you listen to different things that are really impactful for people. And, um, you know, there's all these scriptures that, you know, if you're preaching the word like you do or, or you're very in the word, maybe this doesn't happen. But I feel like a lot of the church at large um, we get these scriptures that come across and you think you remember the scripture. Like you think you remember what it says, but then like we've, we've always, there's all these little pieces here and there that sometimes we get twisted. So like the tongue can't be tamed. Well, no, the scripture says no man can tame the tongue. So I ask God, put a guard over my tongue. Cause I know you can tame it. It says no man can, it doesn't say no one. It says no man. So Holy Spirit, would you tame my tongue today? Lord, would you put a guard and a bit on it that it wouldn't say or do anything that you don't tell it to do? And just that there's, I say that to say that that everything that you're talking about, I know you're going to do it as we go through it, and you have done it already, but there's a scripture to back this up because that's what we fight with. So people are like, well, I just can't control my tongue. Well, you're right, you can't, but the Holy Spirit can if you ask him to. You know, just the simplicity of of engaging in his word and how it really is active and alive. It It is power source that we have to be able to live this life. You know, the scripture says, Jesus said, it's it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But the next verse says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. So right. Jesus didn't say a rich man can't get into heaven. He's just saying it's difficult. Because, and you can't do it without me. <laughs> yeah, because the tendency is, I've created this wealth, let me rely on that ability 
to do what I've done and, and that'll get me into heaven. And what do I need? Look at everything I have here. What more could I possibly want? Exactly. Man. So identity, identity in Christ. So, so that identity, um, I know there's a number of places that this is talked about, but when you think of your identity in Christ, what are like five words that come to your mind? I, going back to Genesis one twenty six, is we were created in God's image. So the greater understanding we get of God is the greater understanding we get of ourselves because he made us in his image. So God's a creator. God speaks and things are created. So we have that power. That's why he said life and death is in the power of the tongue. It isn't just the power to create good things. It's the power to create death with our tongue. Absolutely. You know, God's powerful, so he's put his power in us. So we should be people that walk in God's power and demonstrate God's power because we're created in his image. Um, so all of those attributes of God should be attributes that we walk in and we carry in our life because you you are from where you come from. You know, we were created in his image. So that that should be how we operate as, you know, him being the father, we're heirs to the throne. When you, when you know that you're an heir to the throne, you operate differently than if you're just a servant. Oh, you know, yeah. if you're just a peasant in the kingdom. When you know, hey, this, is, this all belongs to my daddy. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So, and, and back to Genesis, he said, wherever the souls of, you know, in the, I've given you dominion and authority over this whole thing. And, and Joshua tells us, wherever the souls of our feet walk, that ground's been given to you as an inheritance. So walking in that authority and walking in, this is, this. I'm not just a spectator here. I'm not just a peasant here. I'm here to enforce and to... Uh, advance the kingdom of God mightily because I've been created in his image and given the power and the authority to do it. Yeah, I mean, so the, the way I've heard it said is son son versus servant. Like there's a difference. The servant serves because there is a um, recompense. There's a, uh, there's a penalty or a punishment for not doing your job. But a son serves out of love and gratitude because he's a part of the family and he's loved by the family. You know, and I love that scripture everywhere. When I pray that, like when we were walking around this church, um, you said, everywhere I set the soles of my feet and be given to me as inheritance. Lord, I thank you. I don't have to beg for an inheritance. I don't have to beg. I, if I have an inheritance, I don't walk into the bank and I'm like, oh, please, would you please loan me? Could you just, if you have it in your, there's no begging. There's no, I ha, I don't even have to, I mean, you have to ask, but I don't even have to ask it. it. It's given to me already, which means there's no fight. There's no tussle. There's no paperwork to sign. This is yours. What by faith, this is yours, and faith is just believing that which He's done for us. It's it's a simple equation, and and I just I guess the question is why do people get it so? Why is it so hard to grasp sometimes for people to walk in that? Well, I was reminded of a story while you were talking. There is, I heard the story of of a son who was estranged from his father, mm-hmm. so there was no relationship there. Uh, and then when the father passed away, he left an inheritance for his son, but the son didn't know it. So they didn't have a relationship. So the son was living in poverty, but living, living below his privilege, living below his inheritance because he was ignorant of, wow, look what's available to me. Look what, look what my daddy set up for me, and I had no idea That's So good because I didn't have relationship with him. I didn't have an understanding of, wow, all this is there. And so that that leads back to what the enemy's weapon is. He can't change your identity. He can't change your inheritance. He can't change 
who you were created to be. But as a man thinks, so is he. So if he can infiltrate your thinking and cause you to believe that you're something different than you are, something different than what God created you to be, then you'll never grab hold of the inheritance and the promises and the privilege that have been set up for you because you think that's not for me. I don't deserve it. There's no way because that thought, you know, of of I'm less than, I don't deserve that, or not even understanding that it's available to you because of a wrong belief about who you are. Yeah, the word doubt came to mind. Like that was like, so, so, so the enemy lying and being a liar and this and that, but the the original um, betrayal comes from doubt. That's what he sowed. He sowed doubt. He didn't say, well, he did second, but firstly, he didn't start off by saying, what God told you isn't true, eat the apple or eat the whatever it was because um, it doesn't say it was an apple, but he, he sows doubt. He said, did he really say, and then later on outright lies and says, you won't die. Well, you will die, but not physically. It's a spiritual death. But th- the doubt is what he he's sowing there. It's the same thing he sows in us. Because scripture says, let a doubting man believe that he'll receive nothing. So if he can sow doubt, you know, do you really deserve that? Are you really? And then it's our partnership with that doubt that signs on the dotted line. We were talking about that the other day. The, uh, you know, you, you start to feel that ache or something in your body. And then, oh man, I have a raging, what, insert whatever today. Headache, this, that. And, and that may or may not have been true. Our flesh is at war with the spirit, right? So you've got this flesh, you've got to kick him in place and go, no, I feel good today. I'm made in his image by my, by his stripes. I've been healed and there's going to be ailments. There's going to be things, but how often does the lie come in? I can never seem to get ahead with blank. I struggle with blank. I can't get over blank. People speak it all day long. Like hypochondriacs that are always sick. I'm always blank, but life and death is the power of the tongue. So the doubt or the seed is sown by the enemy or by whatever else, and then we enact it by signing on the dotted line because life and death is the power of the tongue. It doesn't say life and death is the power of the tongue of the believer. It says life and death is the power of the tongue. So that's a, that's a it operates across the board. And how often people are, like I got the image the other day of presidential orders. Like the enemy comes by and he's like, will you sign this? And we're like, and then that boom, we partnered with it. We partner with the doubt, the lie, whatever it is. You talk about presidential orders. The president can either sign and agree or veto. And how often do we blindly sign without reading it? Yep. We're just like, oh yeah, that's me. This no, is, it's not you. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is my portion. This is this is what always happens. Well, reality is, is you can say no. But right there, this is what always happens. Well, now you've just put that into effect. You can't do like I, I feel like that's what's if people knew it, it comes back to identity, but if people knew the power that is in your mouth with what you say, all these people who are and you follow the same groups of people and, and more that I do. But the, uh, like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, these guys who, I can point out people who are not Christians, and I don't, you know, I don't strictly follow them. People who are not Christians, big businessmen, big athletes, who get up every morning, and they're like, this is why I'm successful. I get up, I visualize my day, I speak, I'm going to be the best in my field, I'm going to be, they do it every single day. And in a secular world, they're successful by secular terms. They're, uh, it's a spiritual principle they're using, and they don't even realize it. And just the power and effect of it. So how much more powerful would it be for the believer if they understood their identity and walked in that every single day? Yeah, the, in Job it tells us that, that we can command our day. We can, again, back to we're created in God's image. God's the creator. God's authority. God's power. And, and po- power is, is the use of force. 
uh, authority is the right to use it. So as, as children of God, we've been given the authority to use that power, and we can command our day and say, today's going to be blessed. My life's going to be blessed. And we have that power and that authority because we understand who we are. If you, if you don't understand who you are, then you don't realize there's any power or authority that's available to you. And so, again, the enemy, he can't change who you were created. But if he can change the way you think about who you are, then essentially he's done that. He's caused you to not be who you are. And that's why there's such a, one of his strategies is so strong right now it, with this transgender movement and with homosexuality. Come on, come on. It's to get people to be confused about who they are. You know, there, there's a fight right now against women, you know, with, with transgender men competing in women's sports. That's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And they, there's a documentary coming out, and I'm, I'm very interested to see it. I don't know the guy's background in it, but he, it's like a year long of him asking, what is a woman? And he travels all these different places. And it's like, I mean, at least in the preview, it seems like nobody would give him a straight answer. Like, where have we gotten to, um, it's satirical, but um, Freedom Tunes on YouTube. They they have some hilarious cartoons that are, are, are centered around all this stuff happening. And and one of these cartoons is they're like, you know, a bunch of converted left-wing guys are sitting down. And men and women. Because that's a lot of this right now. Is people are like, this, we've gotten too far. And they're like, killing the babies, um, our religious rights. Oh, that didn't matter. But women, men in women's sports, it's too far now. Like, where have we gotten the, the, the I've said it before in, in teaching a couple of times, and I really purely believe this. The end, it, it, scripture says the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, that's true. I don't think the enemy's pure intent is to just have a boulder fall on you today and kill you. I think the enemy's pure intent is to keep you below your potential. Because if he can keep you at 80% or 85% or 70% or 60%, if he can keep you from identifying your full potential and identity in Christ, then he's partially won. Because you're effective, in alignment, knowing your identity. And if he can keep a piece of that from you, you know, you understand some of it, but not all of it. And that's where we get comfortable, lukewarm. If he can keep you in that lukewarm, comfy, I know what I know, but not fully engaged spot, that's the ultimate win for him, I feel like. Because he doesn't have to exert all the energy to fight you all the time. He just gets people comfortable in this is what I am. Well, Scripture tells us that that no one can snatch us out of his hand. It can't be taken. So when we're when we give our life to Christ, the enemy can't steal us. You know, he can't come and take us out of there. But if he can do what he does to limit our thinking, cause us to think we're something different than what we are, then he can limit our effect. And ultimately he he has to concede if we if I've given my life to Jesus that he's lost me. Like he, he, there's nothing he can do about that. But if he can stop me from having the intended effect that God wants me to have, then, then it, it essentially, it, it's so many others that, that he's keeping from being affected. So that, that's why there's such a, a fight and a battle to keep people from operating and being who God's created them to be right from this young age. You're looking in Florida right now, and there's this legislation being talked about that's the governor there is, hey, parents should have the choice on whether some of this sexual content is taught to their kindergartner. Yeah, it's insanity. But the enemy's 
force is so strong that, hey, this is the impressionable age. So if we can create confusion about identity at this young age, then then I can get these kids way off target right from the beginning. And and that that goes goes back to that's why he's there's so much agenda and so much effort to how do I confuse identity? Because if you don't know who you are, you don't operate in the power and the authority that you've been given. You you don't have the effect that you're intended to have. And it, when there's confusion brought in, when there's uncertainty brought in, that nobody acts with certainty in the midst of confusion. If you're confused about how things are going to go, what direction they're well, supposed to go in. Uh, well, I mean, well, what do we do? I mean, we could, I mean, how do we, well, what if it's all, it's all a question and, and uncertainty is the curse of all authority, which I give you that, the, uh, the, the trademark on that quote, as you're talking about all this, it made me think, um, so Satan, you know, it's an attack on truth is what it is. And I want to tie this in biblically, but it's an attack on truth. And the truth by nature is mutually exclusive. That's what makes it confrontational, is that by me saying this can is red and white, it means that if you think this can is blue and white, there's we need to talk about it. There, ultimately, someone is right and someone is wrong. And the reality is, like, better example, the tablecloth is black. Everyone who thinks this isn't black is wrong. And there's a tactful way to discuss that, and there's love, and there's all those things, but you are wrong. And ultimately, there, there, there are some things that, Truth is mutually exclusive. So you think, I think about Satan's persecution of Jesus and his ultimate goal was he, you know, there was an attack on Jesus physically, spiritually. I mean, and and what is Jesus? Jesus is the word. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Well, the truth, Genesis 5, 2, you know, you talk about the written line of Adam's family line. You know, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. It doesn't say he created them non-binary, transgender, gender fluid, gender queer. It doesn't say any of that stuff. LGBTQ alphabet soup, none of it. But when you start saying, it's the same, I can I can hear the enemy saying it. Did God really say it was just male and female? Or did he say male and female? And you know, maybe there's some ones in between. Did he say that? Are you sure you're male or female? And then people are, oh well. Well, am I? I didn't know there were more options. If somebody got in front of this thing the second it started and said, I don't know where that thought came from. There are no other options. Here's the word. The word says male and female. Those are the ones that exist. It's very easy to identify. We can tell you how. But like if, if it's just that's the bare minimum of it. But it's an attack on truth because God's word is true. And when you start saying, well, what if this, what if that? You start allowing people to create their own truth, and it becomes subjective. My generation is famous for this. It's subjective truth. Live your truth. If for me this is bad, but for you it's not, I don't care. And it's gotten down to the point where I remember we'd be witnessing on the boardwalk in Ocean City during senior week, and there's a lot of good um, analogies and all that we use. And one of them was uh, about, you know, and this is a little coarse. Now I think back, I laugh on this, maybe not as tactful, but you know, there'd be this discussion of moral, a moral compass that we all have before you get saved. You have this circle inside of you that fits God's moral compass. And it's made to go in there and you know it, but you don't know it because there's some things universally we all agree and disagree with. So when I say, you know, is it okay for me to go punch that guy in the face? Somebody's like, absolutely not. Somebody's like, yeah, if he deserves it. I'm like, well, what if I go out in the street and I kill a baby? People are like, oh my gosh, no, we all disagree with that. And I'm like, so we need to have some foundational moral compass. And it got to the point where people are like, well, I don't know what that guy was thinking. 
So, so that's his own truth. He thought he could do that. I disagree, but I'm not going to violate his, his own truth. You know, he operated. I'm like, no, no, there's truth. There are some things that are rock solid in this world. And God's word is one of them. God's word says, don't do this. Don't do that. Do do this. Operate in that. So the attack on all of this in you can be this, you can be that, you can create your own pronouns. Somebody the other day, um, my pronouns are they, them, and clown. That's not a joke. That's real. I'm not like, where have we gotten the, it's all an attack on truth. And it's the same attack he did originally. Did he really say, is it really just two genders? It all, it all comes back to, there has to be a bottom line. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about creation and evolution. It takes faith to believe either one. Absolutely. To believe that, that there's this random soup and, and, these two amoebas and pro, you know, primordial ooze that we get morals yeah, out of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to believe that that happened, it takes a whole lot of faith. I mean, the, the one basic against it is the fact that objects left in themselves tends tend to disorder, not to order. Absolutely. So if you leave your house for 50 years and come back, it's not going to be in better shape than when you left it. The roof's maybe caved in and water damage and the thing falling apart. So, Leaving all of this mass soup for millions of years doesn't tend towards order. It tends towards disorder. And same's true is it takes faith to believe that God spoke and created. You know, that that's we weren't there. We didn't see it happen. But it, one of these things happened, and it takes truth. It takes faith to believe that. So everything has to start somewhere. And it's the uncaused first cause on the creation or the evolution side of things. Something happened to, to cause this thing to be set in motion. So, but that's, that's ground zero. And in our culture for, for many years, there's been attack on truth. And if we can take, and that's why there's a war on the word of God, because that is truth. Heaven and earth will pass away. The word will remain. It's the only thing that's true. We're part of every kingdom that that can be shaken will be shaken. We're part of a kingdom that can't be shaken. Everything else is going to be shaken and will fall. So going back to that truth, and this is the bottom line. But if they can erase the bottom line, then there's a new bottom line and a lower bottom line and a lower bottom line. And that's what we're experiencing now. And for to look and and to see just the 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 stupidity of things like this is a pregnant person the stupidity to think to even entertain the dialogue that a man can have a baby like are are you are you kidding me that you're even talking about this cuz it's not possible why would you say a a pregnant person instead of a pregnant woman it it doesn't make any sense it's insanity and i think what part of it what bothers me so bad and this is on a pastoral side is all of those things that we see, right? The gender issues, the identity issues, the I'm a man, but I can get pregnant, all this crazy stuff. These are deep emotional, spiritual, and physical wounds that people have, and they're symptoms of an underlying issue. Ultimately, the core underlying issue is, you know, the wages of sin are death and destruction, and that we need Christ. But there are issues inside of people, and rather than having hard conversations, identifying them, working with these humans that are struggling and need Christ. It's just this, it bothers me so much that 
all of this is coming from a need they have that Christ can solve, an emotional need, a spiritual need. And rather than try to address it, we've tried to band-aid it as a culture by saying, oh, you know what? You went through something that was really hard. We don't have to get into that. You just do whatever you want to do, hon. And that's what we've done with everybody. Just, you know what? No, no one needs to hold you accountable. You don't need to live by the same rules we live by. You all live by your own rules. And you talked about erasing that bottom line. And my first thought was, not that there's a new bottom line. It's just a bottomless pit. Because when you erase the bottom line, there's nothing to stop you now. And we're just watching the fall into the pit. It's almost endless. Like I wake up and sometimes these news stories look like a joke. Like they look like something out of a fantasy. But it's a it's a well-crafted strategy. Oh, absolutely. So it's, can we push the limit and then just pass the limit? And then there becomes a new limit. You know, you see it on in TV and, and things that that 10 years ago you'd, you'd never see are now commonplace because the, the, the enemy's agenda is there's no, the, you said it, the bottomless pit into the abyss, into hell, you know? So it's how much closer and closer and closer can we come to that of becoming normal and becoming acceptable? So it, it's a well-crafted strategy that's been, that's been at play for thousands of years uh, to get man to, give up who they are, and and to come into agreement with the enemy. You know, the, the, the saying goes that misery loves company. So the enemy's been cast out of heaven. He's been defeated, condemned to hell. So his strategy is, how can I get as many people as I possibly can to come here with me? Because my life's miserable. I might as well make everybody else miserable too. You talk about um, it being so public, the strategy now. And and I just I was just listening to this this morning as I was you know working at the house a little bit before heading over here on the laptop. Um Ben Shapiro uh, addressed a recent Disney video. I don't know if you saw this or not. And if not, I'm glad I get to drop it to you. Um, A group of Disney executives were on a Zoom call that was recorded. And they're talking about, I I guess the head Disney executive right now is this woman. And she's gay. And she's talking about, and I mean, I listened to this, and this is absolute insanity. She's like, every opportunity I have to put our our agenda. And she says, uses these words. She uses the gay agenda. Anytime I have a chance to educate kids about being gay or it's okay to be different, it's okay to feel however you want to feel, we're putting that in all of our movies. And then one of the main creative directors is like, every opportunity I have to show someone that there can be a girl kissing a girl or a boy kissing a boy or that those relationships are okay, I want that to be okay. That's our whole purpose here at Disney is to educate these kids. And I'm like, yeah, it made me think of Pastor David because I remember his harp on Disney when I first got saved. And I agree with it. There's, you've got to, not that there hasn't been things that my daughter, my family's watched from Disney, but I have to vet everything with such a fine tooth comb now because it's so public that the agenda is, and, and this is our agenda and we're, we're feeding it to the world. And when it's coming from these giant corporations, these giant places, if you don't know your identity in Christ, the power you have in your household through Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, what you can declare and understand what you take in is important, it's wreaking havoc on people's lives. It is, and and Disney in particular, the strategy is to affect the kids at as young an age as possible. Yeah, because they know if they turn them, they've got it all. Yeah, if I see that, you see that, it infuriates you. Like, how can you put that in there? This isn't the right behavior that we want modeled to our kids. Absolutely. But the kids are in, at, at their young age, are in the impressionable time where they're learning this is what life is. This is what normal is. So it's a, it's a well-crafted strategy from, 
from right from birth, you know, to put this in front of them. This is normal. That's getting back to the bill in Florida. You know, we, we don't want the governor said there we parents of kindergartners should have the opportunity to say whether we want our kids educated about these issues or not, or whether we want you doing it as the school system at all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as as parents, I want to be the one that educates my kids about that. That's why there's there's an incredible rise in in homeschooling these days because people are becoming aware, hey, there's a real agenda out there and it's not just, you know, it before it was it was kind of hidden. You know, right now the agenda to attack identity and to bring uh, gender confusion and all of that, it's it's wide open. But it always hasn't been. No, it used to be hidden. It used to be shrouded. Now it's there's no disguising. You know, it is what it is, and and we as Christians need to be aware of that, and we need to not just, oh well, you know, we need to stand up and and knowing who we are, created in the image of God, created to be protectors, to be watchmen on the wall, to be looking, to be praying, to be uh, getting involved and being a voice to say, no, we're not going to accept that. It's crazy to think how bold it's gotten. I think about, and I was trying to remember where it was that she heard it. I can't remember. It wasn't um, It wasn't a school. Maybe it was a daycare she was in before we took over where she went, um, or maybe it was a friend's house. But my daughter, I remember like a year or two ago coming home, talking about something. And it, it, I was like, well, one day you're going to have a, a husband. That, I think we were talking about working on the cars or something. I was like, you'll have a husband who, who will be able to work on your car for you. It won't have to be me, hon. Or you can always still bring it to me. And she's like, well, maybe I'm going to marry a man or maybe a woman. I don't know. And I was like, where'd you hear that? And she, wherever she told me, I was like, she was like, so-and-so said that we can choose. And I said, nope. I said, I'm sorry, kiddo. I don't know who told you that, but that's not true. I said, girls marry boys and boys marry girls. And that's the way it works. And she said, why? And I said, because the Bible says. And then there was, it was the end of discussion. And she never brought it up again. She talks about when she has a husband, it's going to be da 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 And it was over because that's truth. There's power in the truth. And there's, uh, there was boldness in me through the Holy Spirit to address it and say, we're going to cut this off right now. There's no question. And thankfully, the Lord's blessed us to be able to put her into private school because I don't want any of that other junk being taught to her. If she goes to a public middle school or high school later in life, that's one thing. But the foundational years, you know, raise a way up in the child, raise a child up in the ways that they might. I want this time now to be cemented and rock solid because everything else that she goes through in life it will if the house that she builds spiritually is torn down to the foundation. If the foundations are sure, it doesn't matter. That's right. Because her soul is what I'm after here. Her soul for eternity, what she's given to Christ. That's what I care about. You know, everything else, what she's going to go through, the ups and the downs, they come for everybody in different shapes, sizes, and forms. But if her foundation is laid right, and it's my responsibility to make sure I teach her and lay it right, if that's done then the rest of it is up to God and I trust him for it. But that's the attack. It's really foundational. And I think about like the brass, the brashness of how public it's become, like in the forties and fifties, a generation I, um, I admire quite a bit, the suits, the, the way that they treated their lady, just the whole setup. Um, I got some friends who, <laughs> who were in their nineties and those guys are just built a different way. Like they were raised a different way. And I really admire and love it. And I think about, um, the stories I've heard them talking about, if there was like a gay guy in the 40s or 50s, oh man, that was deep undercover. Like nobody was walking around pronouncing that. It was, it was shameful in the society. It was, it you wouldn't see all the sexuality you see on the TV now on public TV. Like that was the late night, turn the dial a couple times back and forth to get the squigglies off. 
Like that's what it was. And now we're in this place where it's just bombarding constantly. So in the midst of that, when it's gotten cranked up to 15, everywhere, the public this, the public that, where does, if you're talking to the believer who sees that and they're like, oh my gosh, it's just, where does the boldness come from to address it? What's what's their responsibility in it? Well, it's, we can't stand idly by. You know, the saying goes that for evil to triumph is for, is for good men to do nothing. Winston Churchill. You know, so we need to be people that speak up, that, that confront it, that uh, don't just say, oh, well, you know, and realize that, that us opening our mouth and sharing the good news and sharing that there's hope in Christ and helping even a person at a time has an effect. And we can't, we can't surrender, you know, and, and realizing that, that, you know, God can do in an instant what, what we can't do in a lifetime. So, so he can change things. And that, that really wanted, I, I really wanted to, to touch something here is there, there's some of you listening that have bought into lies that have been spoken over your life. Come on. As, as children, um, you know, parents' words, you know, they, they carry a teacher's words. They carry so much weight. They, they, they shape our identity. You know, they, they say that sticks and stones uh, can break your bones, but words will never hurt you. It's a lie. It's, it's totally. The sticks and stones, they hurt, but that can be healed uh, quickly. The, the words, you know, I know people that are 50 years old, and a word that was spoken to them in kindergarten it wounded them and then it festered and it got infected and it's become a huge thing in their life. It's affecting who they are right now. And so many people operate so far below their potential. You know, you see people and you're like, man, look at all that, that God's given them. You talk about the parable of the talents, like look at all those talents, look at all that stuff. But yet they don't operate in it because they've agreed with somebody's words that were spoken over to them. And maybe the words weren't even conceived out of ill intent. Maybe there was frustration on the person that spoke those words at the time because moms and dads and coaches and all teachers are all human. You know, we all speak out of frustration at times and we don't realize the the life and death that's in our tongue. We don't, we, we say things and don't even realize that that caused damage and that limited and that put a cap on somebody's potential and future. So, there's people that are in that spot, but I'm going to tell you that that you can you can change. You you don't you're not stuck there. You know, the Bible tells us that that the Word of God washes our mind and renews our mind, and the thoughts that you think and the words that you speak literally change your mind. So somebody, Physically. yes, yeah, they do. They, the the literal shape of the proteins and muscles in your brain change, reconfigures based upon what you put in there. So, if if you're struggling right now with with thoughts of limitation and you've you've re- patterns repeated themselves over and over again, you can break out of those things by taking God's word, which is the truth, and rehearsing that and declaring that and speaking that. And there's also tremendous amounts of, of great books and literature, understanding how to take responsibility for your life and how to take in good information and begin to change the way that you've been thinking. Because your identity is who God created you to be. 
But if you don't operate in that identity, then is that really your identity? You know, if you're, if you're a millionaire, but don't know it, the money's in a safe underneath the house, you could live your whole life in poverty. And at the end of your life, did you know? Oh my God, look what I've wasted. Look what, look what could have been. That wasn't. If I just had known that that was there. So that, that's my big thing about identity is yes, there's an attack on it, but we can change it. We, in our, in our own self and in our family, the words that we speak and the, the things that we declare and taking every thought captive saying, you know what? I don't, I'm not that I'm not, I'm no longer going to agree with that anymore. You may say I'm a loser, but Jesus says I'm a winner and I'm a winner and I'm a winner. And there's, there's declarations that I say over my life every day. And when you say something enough, you could start to believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that ha- it goes for anything good or bad. Like if you say something enough, eventually you believe it. They talk about, um, when people tell lies in a story, eventually they forget the actual story because you reconfigure it to be what you believe it to be or what you spoke it to be. Um, as people who are listening and they're like, Oh, you know what? There is some stuff that I've partnered with, but the idea of, well, I hear you say it and it sounds so simple, pastor Mike, but just take the word and apply it and read some good books. Um, it, it is the way to do it. And what I, what I would challenge you to do if you're listening to this and that's you, you're in that position is if you're plugged in here at impact church, reach out to somebody and say, Hey, this made sense to me. And I want to know how to enact it because the way that this happens is by two, by partnership, by agreement with other people that can help mentor and counsel you and help you walk you through this. And if you're not here at impact church, either a stop by, uh, 118 Lakefront drive, Cockeysville, Maryland, 21030. Or, um, if you're at a local church plugged in, say something, because I feel like um, we we put sin on the scale as humans. So people are like, I'm dealing with this. This is a huge issue. I need to go to somebody about this. Oh, but this is little. I just, I just, I just got to deal with this. This is just me. This is just, so realize that all of this is stuff we're meant to do together and grow together as the body. So if this has resonated with you and you're like, I want to apply the word, I want to get into some of these books. How do I do that? reach out to me, reach out to somebody in your church, stop by here at Impact, but say something to someone because I got reminded as you were talking about prompted all this. Um, I, I got a speeding ticket and I was under the legal limit drinking prior to being saved. Um, but I was like two months from being 21. So it doesn't matter if you're under the legal limit, you you get charged no matter what. So I got charged and it was a PBJ and all this stuff, but I had to go to, um, I had to pay some, some tickets and I had to go to an AA class. And I wasn't an alcoholic. As a matter of fact, Alcohol is probably the only thing that I wasn't heavily invested into on a regular basis in an addict style form. But so I sat in this 12 step meeting and I remember the first steps admitting you have a problem. Like if you can be bare before the Lord and say, you know what, God, I have let some of these lies in. I've partnered with some of these and I don't want to anymore. The next step is reaching out because it happens. God often, you, know, you pray for help. And he'll send it through people. So partnering with someone to be able to say, hey, can you keep me accountable? I've been speaking this stuff. Can you check in on me? Can you help walk with me? And that's how that's how you actually walk this thing out. That's how it looks effective. Well, and we're all in a process of, of becoming more like Jesus. You know, if you've submitted your life to him, you know, the very essence of humility is recognizing that you have a need. And we all have a need. And right. the very point that we think we don't have a need... Is when you've identified your need. <laughs> we've got an issue with pride. <laughs> yeah. So every the closer you get to God, 
the the more you realize, ooh, that I don't like that thing that's in me. The closer you get to his holiness, to who he is, the the longer the list gets of things that ooh, I don't I don't like that 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 selfish ambition that's in there. I don't like that dishonesty that's in there. I don't like the those things in the greed that's in there. Those things and and it causes you to to get closer to him and and to really dive into his word. So there's nobody listening. Even if you're not listening, there's there's <laughs> nobody that is in a spot where they don't need their mind changed. Absolutely. Where they don't need to come and and be renewed again to be changed into his image and likeness to be moved from from glory to glory. There's no spot where we say we've arrived. I'm I now am the perfect identity of Christ. You know, it's a it's in a journey all all throughout our life becoming more like him and renewing our mind. That's why the Bible says that that his word is our daily bread. We need it every day, sustenance. We need it to grow. We need it to change. And the moment we think we've got it all together, that's a, that's a troubling moment. We're in that spot where all the more we need we yeah. need him. And I think the hard part for a lot of people isn't, um, I, I, I call them dangerous prayers. And I got a book coming to you when I finish it. Um, I call them dangerous prayers. Some people will call them stupid prayers because you like, don't pray for patience. You've heard that from people all the time. Don't pray oh, for yeah. patience because God will put you in situations to build your patience. And somebody at some point has always, you know, prayed the, um, there are some hard prayers. God, break me. God, show me. God, use me. God, grow me. You know, because he'll do that. You know, sometimes he's like, are you sure? And I think the hard part for people isn't when he pricks and identifies the need. He show, God, show me. And you, get, you get closer to him and you're like, oh, I didn't know I had that wart. Oh, I didn't know that was there. The hard part isn't that. I challenge the hard part is engaging in letting God remove it or change it or fix it or grow you. Cause I feel like a lot of people come to that place and go, Oh, 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 I don't like that new list. And then they just kind of sit back and they, they see the list and they know it. And they're like, yeah, Nope. I don't want to engage with that right now. Or I'm not going to, or whatever happens, they shove it in a drawer. I'll look at that later. And they never look at it. So the, the one to seek it, but to the harder part, and that I think people have to fight against your flesh for, I know I do personally, is when that new stuff comes up, the scripture that I cling for my dear spiritual life to is those who love the Lord love his rebuke. They love his chastisement. And I'm like, Lord, I love when you show me these things. I love it because your word says I love it. I love it. I love it. And then I believe it. I love it. Show me. Help me to engage with this and not just let it be something I see and acknowledge, but don't ever do anything about because I don't want to be just a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. They say about change is <laughs> the pain. Nobody likes change. You're you're weird if you like change and and, and you're abnormal. But you're weird. Yeah. But the 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 pain of of change is embraced if staying the same is more painful. So if I keep going the way that I'm going, a a relationship that's on the verge of divorce, um, health conditions, you know, if you don't change your diet, uh, your, your life expectancy is going to be cut drastically. That causes people to change because staying the same is more painful than the change of changing your diet or changing your behavior. So, Getting comfortable with change isn't an easy thing to do, but momentum has tremendous power. What what God's done in me is he's allowed me to see that 
I can actually change something for the good. So when I decide I'm going to do something and and then I've seen the fruit of it, wow, that that really worked. Then it creates momentum. What else can I attack? What other area in my life? If that worked for my physical body, what what can I do in my emotional life? If that worked for my emotional life, what can I do in my spiritual life? And beginning to see like, wow, if you put effort and energy into something, you can really change something. And that's hard for people to, to grasp because we've been comfortable with living with this issue, the thorn in the flesh, or living with this thing, and you don't even realize that you've been given the power and the authority because of your identity in Christ to change something. You know, you could speak to the mountain and say, be moved from here to there and cast into the sea, but many people won't speak to the mountain because that's foolish. How could I Why would possibly I talk to that mountain? speak yeah. to that mountain? It's just my words. But when you realize that that you can actually do something to change your circumstance, that uh, I say this all the time, you know, the best way to do something is to do it. And and how many people just analyze and think about and what if and, and never could. pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, I, I read I've read this in a book years ago and actually just read it recently, a phrase that really spoke to me. Um you you think of when you're shooting a gun, you'd say, ready, aim, fire. Well he he said fire, ready, aim. You know, and just start shooting the gun and then direct it to 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 closer to the target. I kind of think of like at the at the fair when you got those water gun games and all of a sudden the bell rings and the water's coming out. Just get the thing going. And you gotta direct it and hit the target. So but so many people are just, they analyze it, they think about it, and then they become comfortable with something that's, that's not the best, that's not what God has for them, that doesn't line up with their identity, and they just accept it as this is the way it must be. I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't have to be that way. And Amen. there's so much more for you that, that God has for you, and re, regardless of where you are, because he wants us as we said earlier, to be transformed, moving from glory to glory, from this place to the next place to the next place. And it's just an endless journey that, that God has for us to walk with him until we're with him in eternity. Amen. Change doesn't happen until the pain of staying the same, until the pain of the change isn't greater than the pain of staying the same. Yep. Just so, so, so good. I think about, um, as we're wrapping this up the other day in Freedom Group, we're talking about uh, being holy vessels, and how God, 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 never at any point in time isn't eager to grow or promote you. God's heart is to grow you, promote you, see you be raised up, constantly be better, and like that—that's God's intention for all of us, all the time. It is never different than that. But there's times He's waiting on us, and and I think a lot of the waiting happens in this identity crisis, like a midlife crisis. People have they go out and buy the sports car. You know, I'm thinking mindset now, sorry. <laughs> Think about midlife crisis. People have when they buy these sports cars. They go through these things. And how many times are we like, God, I'm waiting for you to move. God, whatever the next step is. Lord, I'm ready. I'm standing here. God, you say you direct the steps of the righteous. They're ordered of the Lord. I'm waiting. Tell me which foot to step. And God's like, well, I'm waiting for you to, uh, to grasp who you are. And we're just like, Lord, I'm ready for that thing. And he's like, it's not a thing. I've got to get you to where you need to be to be ready for the next thing that I have for you. You know, it's, 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 you've preached this really well to me over the years that 
and I'd like to say I've gotten a hold of this, it's not about a destination. You know, it's not about, um, oh, what did I see the other day? When, when I'm in, in their 20s, when I get that promotion, life will start. Get the promotion. When, when, when I retire, life will start. They retire, and then they're on the deathbed. You know, like it, it's it, when I get to that position in the company, when I make a six-figure salary, when I have a house with my wife, when we have a kid and our bills are paid off, when I get to travel to here, when I, there's all these things we put up. But no, Christ says that we're more than conquerors through him. It's actually no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. It's not even my life anymore. So it's not about these destinations and these goals and these journeys, which you do need to have. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you need to be in relationship with God to know, okay, where do you want me tracking? What are our goals? How do we use our resource? But it's not about all of that. It's the journey with him. If we had, if we understand who we are and we engage this journey with him, it's not even your life anymore. So he's required by his word to show you what needs to happen with it. But all of that gets held up at this issue of identity because if you don't get a hold of this the other stuff can't come because we jack it up in our own, how do I do this in the flesh in my own strength? It's like the original issue in the garden. Like, I can't let you have both of these because there's going to be a problem. You know, I, I, can't, I can't get you into all that I have for you until you get this piece. It hinges everything else. That's so, it. That's it. And that's why there's such an attack from the enemy to, to get you to not know who you are. And, uh, I think of the infamous words of Mufasa talking <laughs> talking to, to Simba. Remember who you are. Remember. So I just want to pray. Come on. Father, we pray for an understanding, for clarity, for realization, Lord, for those listening, that they would know who they are and whose they are. They've been bought with a price. They've been created in your image and likeness. And they've been put on this earth, Lord, to, to rule and to reign and take dominion over everything. Lord, that everywhere the soles of our feet touch, you've given us that as an inheritance. So I pray that, that we would be people that would walk in our true identity and we would be people that would expose the lies of the enemy and help other people see that they've been created in God's image and likeness to operate in that same function, Lord. So we thank you and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, brother. Can't thank you enough for being on here today. Um, as always, if you have a testimony, if you've got a story, and, and, and surprise, uh, newsflash, everybody's got a testimony. If you've got a testimony you'd like to share, something crazy happened this week, um, there's something going on you want to talk about, reach out to me. We would love to have you on the show. We're all mobile. You know, we could fly out to you across the U.S., different country, different state, sit down and we can talk. Uh, reach out to me, uh, andrewborum at gmail.com, A-N-D-R-E-W-B-O-R-A-M at gmail.com or 443-615-6682. Shoot me a call, shoot me a text, and as always, stay blessed until next time.